Welcome into another episode of The Front Office. I'm Tony Lombardi with Russell Street Report, and I'm joined by our capologist, Brian McFarland. Brian, good morning. Morning, Tony. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good, good, good. So this is your busy time of year. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm getting getting a little tired of Lamar questions, but I'm sure there'll be a few, but it's, uh, we need some resolution on this. What are we going to do? I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Right. And yeah. And it's like this cloud hanging over the Ravens. And until there's some direction as to how they're going to move forward with this, those clouds will stay around. Yeah. I saw our, our buddy Cole Jackson posted something yesterday about how, surreal it is because you can't really talk about anything else because without that it's such the big domino um that you really can't really talk about who else they can acquire because if he's if you get him signed and he's you know got a lower cap number you can get more things done but if if you gotta get him at the exclusive tag then you know obviously it changes the dynamic yeah it's like it's the the if you were assembling a piece of furniture that you bought online and it showed up unassembled. If you missed that one piece, the rest of it doesn't work. And, and that one piece, as far as the Ravens are concerned and their salary cap picture is Lamar. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For sure. So the, the, the concept of cash over cap has come up a lot recently, Brian. And, and I just want to, first of all, for the benefit of our listeners, just to clarify what that means. Sure. So I'll use Lamar as the example because uh, we'll probably be coming back to this in the discussion. But if they were to sign Lamar to a long term deal, he would probably get, let's just say, a $60 million bonus and a uh, $10 million salary. So he would get uh, $70 million in cash this year. But because that $60 million bonus is prorated over the f- over five years, um, that would count. Uh, 12 million. Did I do that right? Yeah, 12 million a year. Um, so add that to his base salary of 10 million, and his cap number would actually be only 22 million. Um, but he would be getting 70 million in cash. So that 48 million dollar difference is the cash over cap. It's the difference between the cash the player receives and what his actual cap number is for that year. So that's what that is. And, you know, I've I've said it before and we've discussed it, but cash over cap can be cyclical because depends on where you are with your roster build. Um, You know, the Ravens came off of the Flacco years and then hit the Lamar years and they really didn't have a whole lot of big contracts in 18, 19 and 20 because uh, or until 20, I guess, because that's when Stanley got his deal. But a lot of those guys, it was it was actually you had a bunch of old guys making some money and you had a bunch of young, young guys making on their rookie deals. So there wasn't a whole lot of um, big free agent spending during those years. Now, obviously, since then, they've, you know, Stanley Humphrey, Andrews, Marcus Williams, um, Roquan Smith, they've signed some bigger deals. So that's that's, uh, you know, adjusted their cash over cap a bit. But that cash over cap, that that's what that is. It's the difference between. The cash now with later in the contract, you know, the cash is to the cash. It's the base salary and that's it. Um, but it's in those early years of a contract. It's those signing bonus or roster bonuses or uh, or option bonuses like in their bigger deals that they get. Brian, if you look at 2022 and you look at the Ravens 
cash over cap picture, they came in at 19th with $224.4 million in cash spent. Now, if using your example with Lamar and the cash that would have been spent in year one, the $70 million would be added to that. The $23 million for the, his fifth-year option would be taken out of that, I guess, right? Yes, yes. So they would probably have been at about $280 million in cash spending, which would have placed them, I believe, second in the league, jumping from 19th, just because of the Lamar Jackson contract. Yes, and that's and that's the you know, and obviously they they want him signed. I mean, they're, they're very, it's very clear they want him signed. But you know, uh, if he, and here's the difference too: this year, um, you know, their their cash number will go up, um, but their cash over cap number. If Lamar is at forty five point two eight million for the exclusive tag, that's all cash. It's one hundred percent cash. So their cash spending number goes up, but there won't be any cash over cap. So right now. Uh, you know, for this year, I think they're about they're in that. I think they're about 15th this year. And obviously we got a long way to go. But right now their their cash number is about one hundred and sixty six million. You know, you throw 40 on there, then there are 200. So you go from 15th all the way up to the top five. Um, and that's not even cash over cap. That's just cash spending. Um, they're probably not if, if they have to tag Lamar, there probably isn't going to be a lot of cash over cap spending. But that right there, um, they're obviously going to make some more deals. You have your rookie deals. So by the end of the year, they're always going to be cash over cap. It's it's also the timing of the year you talk about it. Right now, before free agency and obviously before the tag for Lamar, you know, well, oh my gosh, they're they're 15th. That, you know, they're in the, that's the middle, but you know, oh, they're, you know, they're not spending money. Well, all of a sudden, like I said, in a week or so, if they tag Lamar, um, or if they they get a long-term deal done, then it goes through the roof. Right. In a long-term deal now, uh, like I said, if we're talking $70 million in cash, that puts them number one. That's going to put them number one. So the fact that, you know, and they, you can't just, as a team, you know, they were trying to sign Lamar, and they have to be cognizant of, okay, if we sign Lamar, that changes everything with our cap picture. If they signed Lamar last year, you know, maybe they don't get Roquan Smith done. Maybe they can't make the trade. Um, you know, there's different variables there. So it, it's easy to stand back and say, oh, they don't spend. But it, that there's a lot of context uh, lacking there. So we're talking about cash spending. There is the notion that the Ravens spend to the cap each year. And that means that not only is it cash spent in that year, but it's also takes in consideration – some rollover bonuses and the amortization of uh, signing bonuses and guaranteed money. So talk about that for a moment. Yeah. So what your cap number is a player's cap number is a combination of the bonus proration. If they got a signing bonus. So if you get, again, if you get a, a you know, a, a $10 million bonus on a five-year deal that uh, that 10 million is spread out over the five years. So it counts 2 million each year. And that's part of your cap number and then your base salary. So if you have in the first year, if you again, if you're getting, uh, you know, a million dollar base salary and a ten million dollar signing bonus, you're only counting three million on the cap. So the cash is only the cash then in that case um, is, you know, is still eleven million. But your cap number is three. 
Now the second year, let's say the base salary goes up to two million. So now your cap number is four, but there's only two million in cash spent that year. So you're actually cap you're under cash over cap in that case because the cash amount is only two million, where the the cap number is four. So in essence, the cap is real, Brian. Right? It's a real thing. Yeah, well, you know, I'm gonna say yes, and I, I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot of ways to manipulate the cap, and I think that's why people, without looking into it, all, how does this team do that, and how does this team do that? Um, you know, we'll we'll probably we'll get into it in a little bit, but void years, and everybody was all up in arms. Why don't the everybody last year's using void years, and why aren't the Ravens? Well, you know, again, there's 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 some context there of of how you want to do your cap and the consequences. And I'll, I'll save that for a little later, but there's, there's consequences often of, of maneuvers you do. Um, it just, even a simple restructure of a player, you know, Ronnie Stanley right now, uh, you know, is a guy that they'll probably have to restructure. Um, if they have to take Lamar at the, at the exclusive tag, they're going to do a lot of restructures. Um, but right now, you know, his cap number for next year and the year after, uh, I believe is, is over, it's 23, it's almost 24 now. It'll be over 26 uh, in the next two years and 24 and 25. You restructure him, you're pushing that cap number to like 30 million, which thankfully he's healthy and should play that out. And, and you know, maybe this is a time for an extension, but that that's the consequence of, of restructures and, you know, teams of, you know, the 2000 was not good for any NFL team for sure. And obviously not good for the world, but you know, the pandemic and the cap falling back in 21 really hurt a lot of teams. And now they're going to struggle to have to get out from under that. I think Brian, and I believe you would agree with this, that a lot of the fan angst comes from the fact that this Lamar Jackson discussion has been going on for at least 18 months, probably longer than that. And it's just out there and nothing's getting done. So I, I think what happens with both fans and even the media, the local media and, and in the national media as well, is that they're looking for reasons. Why isn't this getting done? And, and then they start to dig into the Ravens. And it, that's why I even brought up the whole concept of cash over cap that they look at that and then they de the narrative has been developed that the Ravens are somehow cheap, that the reason they're not going out and getting Lamar done is because they're cheap. And I don't think there's anything about the Ravens that suggests that they are, you know, when you look at, you know, how they, they just got Roquan Smith done. I don't think they're afraid to go out and spend money. They spend to the cap every year. They, they manage it to the, to the cap every season. And, and when you look at, even the behaviors of Steve Bishotti as, as the owner, I think it, the number, Brian, is about $125 million of his own money that he sunk into M&T Bank Stadium, a stadium by which by, that he does not own. And any good business person will tell you that if you invest into improvements in a building that you don't own, that's kind of money that you're, you know, you know what I mean? It's just wasted money yeah. in some sense. So, so I don't, he's just doing that to help, promote a better fan experience at the stadium. So I don't think that's the, the behavior of someone that's cheap. And, and I, I know this too, Brian, that he doesn't put money in his own pocket from the Ravens, the proceeds of the Ravens operation. I do know this, that he spent $600 million for the Ravens. 
$200 million came out of his own pocket. $400 million was through a note. The proceeds of the Ravens operating fund have paid off that note to the point where he now owns the Ravens free and clear. But other than that, his fame and fortune and his own personal cash flow and everything comes from ventures completely outside of the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, they've certainly signed a lot of guys to top of the market deals. I mean, Roquan Smith was the top of the, you know, the top of the market. Stanley's I think was second behind Tunsil at the time he signed. Uh, Humphrey was, I believe, second behind Jalen Ramsey when he signed. Uh, Andrews, I, I, it's funny, there are, we, we cut a lot of seconds here. I think he was second behind Kelsey uh, at that time. So, you know, they, but it's, and granted, you, you know, it, people can argue this, but their organizational philosophy has always been build through the draft and supplement with free agency. And a lot of teams, um, you know, and obviously we're, we're over the last couple of years, we've seen Tampa load up. We've seen, um, you know, we, and we've seen the Rams load up uh, and obviously have success with that. And people point to that. Well, maybe the organizational philosophy has to change. And, and you know, there's there's something to be said for that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I can see that argument. I don't necessarily agree with it. But people, when they talk about that, they ignore teams like the Saints that that tried to load up and you know and extend the Drew Brees window. And now we're seeing Green Bay sort of the same thing. You know, they tried to extend the Rodgers window. And that seemingly is, you know, is about to flame out spectacularly because they're going to have to deal with a whole lot of dead money if they trade him. Because um, it seems like a lot of the reports are they're done with him. Um, so, you know, I mean, they're, uh, I mean, you know, there, there's some teams that are, and they're going to get there, but I mean, the Saints are already working on it. But I mean, there are teams that are, you know, 50, um, you know, 30, 50 million over the cap. And they're going to get there, but it's going to be painful getting there. Um, and and I don't think people, the Rams, are going to be in trouble over the next couple of years, even though this year they're not in terrible shape. Um, but, I mean, I don't think people focus on – I mean, they, you know, obviously we're always focused on the Ravens. But, you, you know, oh, look at this team. Look what that team did. Without understanding some of the context, people point at Kansas City all the time. Well, if 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 – if Lamar said, I will sign Mahomes deal, the Ravens would would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I mean, that Mahomes deal is a sweetheart deal. I'm like nothing like no other quarterback other than, I guess, Tom Brady, because Tom Brady always took less. But I mean, you know, people say, oh, well, he got that, you know, Mahomes got, uh, you know, 43 million or 44 million, whatever it was at the time. And it was top of the market. But it's a nine year deal. It's so user friendly. It's so low in the first couple of years. Then they can restructure because of the length of the deal. Now, at the end of the deal, it could be problematic. But for the next five years, it's a great deal for the for Kansas City. So, but people don't focus on that. It's just all oh, the Ravens are cheap. They, it's their philosophy. And again, if you want to argue that they need to go a little more all in or something like that, I mean that you know it, it's a fair argument to make, but. It's not them being cheap in any way. It's them building through the draft, which most Ravens fans loved, you know, for years and years and years. It's building through the draft and supplementing that and, and retaining your own, you know, when you when you, you know, picking and choosing, obviously, but retaining your best, 
and fill it, you know, and filling them out next man up. You know, that was their philosophy and it's still their philosophy. If you want to argue that that's not the right philosophy, okay, but it's not cheap. It's not being cheap. Brian, on the dovetailing that, I looked at recently the five years that Lamar Jackson has been in the league beginning in 2018 and carrying forward with this cash over cap concept. I took a deep dive and said, okay, who were the top five spenders with cash during those five seasons? You mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs. Of the 25 teams, now there's duplicates in here because some teams appeared more than once in those five seasons. So there's five teams I looked at, five seasons, 25 total teams. Of those 25, the Chiefs do not appear on there. And they've had probably arguably over the five-year period the most success in the league. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. And some other notes that I made of those teams that appear as the top cash spenders, not a single one of them was a Super Bowl winner in the year where they were among the top five. Only two of the 25 top five spenders made it to the Super Bowl when they were among the league's spendthrift teams. And 52% of the top five spenders had losing records. 56% of the top five spenders failed to earn a playoff berth. So I guess my point being is that just because you spend a lot of cash doesn't equate to success. And I'm pretty certain that if Steve Bishotti could be guaranteed that he'd win a Super Bowl every 12 years, he'd go all in too. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, too, the, there's a reason a lot of those teams are spending so much cash over cap, and that is because they have so much cap space to sign a bunch of free agents. So, I mean, the Browns, I think, are one of those classic examples, and I'm not sure that – I don't know if they're on that list, but, you know, the Browns every couple years, you know, seem to go all in and, you know, and spend this huge exorbitant amount of money on free agents – and one of the reasons is, is because they stunk so badly a couple of years before and they didn't have anybody like, you know, they didn't have a Mark Andrews coming up to say, OK, wow, we are Humphrey or or or, um, or Stanley to say, oh, gosh, you know, we got our we got a superstar, quote unquote, here that we have to pay. So they didn't have their own guys. So they went out on the market and signed, you know, Beckham or traded for Beckham and gave him a big deal and Landry and. You know, and 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 some of the other guys, Clowney, when they brought him in, you know, and, and they've, they've had some, you know, big acquisitions over the years that have flamed out spectacularly. And then they cut him and then all of a sudden they got a lot of caps, you know, after they deal with the that ramifications the following year, they have a lot of cap space. And, you know, so it, 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 it as you said, a lot of times the big spenders, quote unquote, are some of the bad teams. You know, right now the Bears have a ton of cap space. The Falcons have a ton of cap space. You know, they're two of the worst teams in the league. The Texans have a ton of cap space. Worst team, you know, one of the worst teams in the league, you know, or the worst, second worst team in the league if you want to look at drafts. So that's, I mean, those those three teams are in the top, what, six in the in the draft. Right. So, you know, and that's why they can be big. They're going to be big spenders probably, and there's going to be a lot of cash over cap for them this year. But that's because they've stunk. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the Ravens have not had a true cap reset in a long time. And, that, and you know, and that 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 clock, you're, they're, they're, they got a clogged up cap. I mean, let's face it, you know, and, and again, 20, the pandemic didn't help. They were in great shape going into 2020. Um, I mean, they were Lamar was on his rookie deal and, you know, the 20 cap stayed where it was supposed to probably should have gone up a little more than it did. And of course, 2021 took what an 18 million dollar dip, 
um, from where it had been. And, um, and it's still never recovered. I mean, right now at 224, it should probably be 235 to 240. I mean, obviously that benefits everybody, but you know, that they, they were really in good shape setting it up and they probably would have done more had the cap not dropped so much. And, you know, and it's only this year is really the first time it's really started to recover. But again, we're still behind where we should be. And you mentioned the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns appear on that list in three of those five years. So to right. support your point. And I also wanted to bring up the, the Saints, Brian, because the Saints right now are trying to work through some things to you, you mentioned them as being one of the teams that are like $50 million over the cap. And I'm just ballparking that figure. But uh, but I know they're well over the cap. And I, I thought it was somewhat comical at the time when they had a visit from Derek Carr when they couldn't even afford to have him on the cap. But you, talk about briefly, if you could how the saints got themselves in this position. And then also about, uh, there was an ESPN article. I, the writer's name escapes me, but uh, she wrote about how the saints could get out of cap jail. And one of her strategies was to use voidable years. So, so talk about those things. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've already been using voidable years. I mean, and that, that's part of the problem. Um, and, you know, Last year, everybody started talking about voidable years because teams started using them a lot. Well, there was a reason they started using them a lot, and that's the cap. They were trying to recover from that, that you know, teams, you know, teams had planned their budgets. You know, we're talking, let's go back to 2019, pre-pandemic. Teams had planned their budgets out. What they were going to be, you know, this money we're going to use to re-sign our players, and this money is going to be available for free agents and things like that, expecting the cap to take its, at that point, you know, $10 million, $12 million jump each year. And then, and, you know, starting roughly this year, it, you know, the cap exploding with the new TV money. So teams had budgeted that out and planned that out. And then the pandemic hits. The 2020 cap went up pretty much the way it was supposed to, probably a little short. And then, then again, we had the 2021 where everything dropped. And, and then we get to 2022 and teams are, you know, scrambling to create cap space. So they use something that only a few teams had used in the past. And that was voidable years. The Saints had used voidable years in Drew Brees' contract as a way of because they were up against the cap already. Um, and they needed they wanted to keep Brees around, but at a big quarterback cap number at that time so voidable years are year are dummy years you add to the back of the contract so while breeze's contract really was his extensions were really for kind of two-year extensions so it's this year and an extra year and then we'll add three voidable years because five years is the extent you can uh, you can uh extend a um a, a bonus so the, the prorations so Breeze would get $60 million or let's say get, you know, or let me do uh, $90 million. I know I'm just using numbers. So I, I'm not saying this is Breeze in particular, but just the example. So he would get $90 million over the two years. Now that's too much. So let's, let's go back to 30. So 60, let's go back to 60. So he's getting 60 million over two years, averaging 30 a year, but he would get a big bonus. But if you get a big bonus on a two year deal, it's all, you know, it all counts. It makes either way that 60 million is, it's going to be kind of 30 million each year, or the second year is going to be huge. So they would tack on those three extra years. So they would give him, you know, a $40 million bonus and a $10 million salary each year. 
But instead of that being, again, 30 each year, they, that, that, that bonus would be spread out over those five years, because those void years. The pro, and so that bonus, that 30, um, what I say, $40 million bonus would then be only, only count um, 8, eight million. million. Eight, right. Eight. Sorry, my math. I'm, I'm doing all kinds of different numbers here. <laughs> my math. So $8 million each year. So that would take that first year cap number down to 18, which was very palatable instead of 30. The problem would be when the, the way void years work, if you don't extend him before the you know, before the end of before the beginning of the league year, the, the in that third year, then all of a sudden the, the eight million dollar prorations for each of the year three, four and five hit. And all of a sudden you're getting hit with 24 million in dead money. Um, and that's what uh, just recently um, the Eagles did that. And there was, uh, uh, you know, uh, our, our Joel Corey, who I, you know, I, I speak of very highly of for CBS Sports, former agent, great cap articles, really great, no nonsense, you know, no, 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 no agenda, you know, kind of this is the deal. This is the numbers kind of stuff. You know, he tweeted out uh, all a bunch of um, of the Eagles contracts voided. Um, so they're going to take on for, so they, you know, they make granted, they made the Super Bowl, you know, um, but they're got, that's ninth and all of a sudden now 19 million in dead money for like, I think it was like four or five players is going to be on their cap because of void years. That's 19 million. It can't use. Um, and they already have, I mean, they already had like 20 million of dead money on their cap from things they did last year. So now you've got like almost 40 million for the Eagles. And they've got a lot of free agents. You now you got like forty million in dead money on your cap because of void years. So I, you know, it, it, yeah, if you're if you really want to go for it, you can do that. But you better, you better, you know, you and the Saints didn't. You know, they tried to extend that Breeze window, and obviously it didn't work. And they're still, they're still trying to get out from under it. And that, I, I read that article too. And okay, you restructure this guy, you restructure this guy you restructure that guy you cut this guy extend well you know extensions are easy to say if they extend this guy well the players got to want to be extended um and you got to come to terms <laughs> obviously lamar's an extreme example but you don't know you aren't always able to come to terms with guys um sometimes or maybe you know in the saints case some of their veterans don't want to extend their contracts because you know they seem to be in a you know a constant churn cycle and they're not really improving so you know, and, you know, like I said, you can look at Stanley, you know, the Ravens in, in you know, a perfect world do not want to do not want to restructure Ronnie Stanley and make his cap number 30 million for the next two years. So, you know, you sure you can say, let's do this and let's go for it. But if you don't get it, and I mean, the Rams are going to be in all kinds of trouble and, you know, they don't look like a, a Super Bowl contender, ne- you know, next year anymore. Um, so they got it. But, you know, I mean. It doesn't look like, and I guess you can say, okay, we got it. But if they go through five years of pain, you know, five years from now, Rams fans are going to be looking back saying, yeah, we got it. But oof, these last five years have been, have been pretty hard. Yeah. And the Rams and the Saints, and you might even throw Tampa into that mix too, that they are the proverbial examples of kicking the can down the road and proof that the cap is real. Yeah, and the Packers too. And yeah, people could say, oh, well, you know, as you said, that article says, oh, they can get out of it this year, but they're right back in it next year. Right. And then and they at some point, 
Now, maybe, maybe, maybe I, you know, I'm not privy to the, you know, what the cap's going to be next year and the next year and the next year. And will it go up 15 million or will it go up 25 million? You know, they may be and some of these teams may be able to get out from under it a little quicker if the cap jumps, you know, 25 million next year and 25 the next year. And it's, you know, 50 million. So right now we're what, 225. So if it's 275 in 2025. You know, maybe that helps. Um, but, you know, God forbid we have another pandemic or something like that. I mean, as I said, teams had budgeted, you know, make their budgets based on what what they think the cap's going to be. And, you know, all kinds of, you know, the world happens. And, you know, and then all of a sudden it's out the window. I wanted to move the discussion, Brian, towards the Ravens and Lamar. And if the Ravens were uh, to adopt a kick the can down the road sort of approach to go all in and win. But before I get there, I, you mentioned something earlier that really sparked an idea in me. And that is with the pandemic dropping the cap, you know, cause TV revenues and revenues at the gate and all that all came down because of, and there was question as to whether they were going to play, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it all came crashing down with the, the advertising dollars and therefore the, the pandemic, related uh, expenditures or, or lack thereof triggered a drop in the cap. And that's really unfortunate for the Ravens because as you mentioned, that was under Lamar's rookie contract. If the cap had increased instead of dropped the way it normally would have, then the Ravens could have, you know, taken a deeper dive into that season, used the Lamar rookie contract to their advantage and maybe added some receivers. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, the 2021 when the cap dropped, um, you know, that ideally that was Lamar's third year. That was when you could have gotten a contract done. Maybe at that time with a little more cap flexibility, they could have gotten something done. I mean, they did restructure all their their big name players. And, you know, people are like, well, they didn't go for it. Well, I mean, they re- I mean, they signed Stanley and what? I think it was 20. I think it was 2021 that or 2020 they've restructured him twice since 21 and 22, you know, so it's not like they're not, you know, I mean, that's going for it. I mean, you can argue that's going for it. I mean, they, and they restructured Humphrey and they've re they restructure five or six guys each year. They're bigger cap numbers. Um, they restructured Marcus Peters, you know, I mean, it's not like they're not tr- doing things to create cap space, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, another um yeah so i mean it's yeah so, but sorry that was a thought that didn't make sense actually um uh, but yeah i mean it's not like they're not it's not like they're sitting there and saying okay we're not restructuring anybody we're going to sit here and take our lumps um i mean they've definitely done things to create cap space to sign more players um it's not you know um but again, I mean, their philosophy and, you know, again, we can argue with, with it is build through the draft, you know, uh, supplement with, you know, and obviously the veteran wide receiver thing over the last couple of years hasn't worked out so great. Um, whereas, you know, the bolt, we haven't had a Bolden or a Steve Smith or, a you know, a Derek Mason type that really came in and, you know, and made a difference for a few years. Um so, you know, but then, of course, they they, they took the approach of, you know, uh, pretty much when DaCosta took over, they took the approach of we're going to fix this by drafting wide receivers. And, you know, Marquise Brown wasn't a home run, but was, you know, a solid pick. And, 
you know, and, you know, we hope Bateman turns out to be, I mean, this guy that was never really injured in college and now he's, you know, his first two years have been injury marred. So, but when he's played, uh, you know, I think everybody's been very happy with him. So certainly the beginning of the year, he looked really good. So, you know, fingers crossed, but so they took that approach of Ravens fans are like, stop getting the veteran wide receiver, stop getting the retreads. We want young guys that build. And here we go. We get young guys to build around and now they don't work out and everybody's like, get us a veteran wide receiver. It's true. So we, we mentioned at the top of the show, Brian, that the Lamar's situation is hanging over the Ravens like a cloud and it's it's the domino effect that that's got to fall one way or the other for them to start making other moves. And with Lamar, you know, I, I don't know if you watch this podcast called The Pivot hosted by Ryan Clark, who I think does a really good job. He had recently Damari Smith, the executive director of the NFL PA on as his guest. And I got to tell you, Brian, the disdain that Damari Smith has for the, the league's owners, it's obvious. And it's almost as if he doesn't really care much about the sport. He's just concerned about the welfare and benefits for his constituents, which are the players. But in the con- or during the conversation, the topic of Lamar Jackson was brought up, and they talked about Lamar, and in his, Damari Smith's words, he said he wants to see Lamar Jackson be the bookend of Deshaun Watson. Now, the problem with that, I mean, I'm sure that's what the NFLP is always, always championing for, but the big problem here, Lamar doesn't have an agent, and the NFLPA is acting as his agent. And I think that that spells problems for the Ravens. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of brought that up over a year ago because it certainly seems that way. Um, you know, obviously, as you said, I mean, it's 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 Smith's job to, you know, to you know further the cause of the players. Um, but by this, and and he's right. I mean, the 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 next, whoever that may be, be it Lamar or anybody else, the next quarterback that gets fully guaranteed makes, you know, what I consider Watson's deal to be an outlier. It makes it no longer an outlier. It makes, here's the, here's the guy. If this isn't the desperate Cleveland Browns going nuts, this is a well-run organization like the Ravens giving fully guaranteed. Um, so, or, or the Eagles, and I don't think Hertz is getting fully guaranteed, but if that happened, you know, here's a well-run organization like the Eagles giving fully guaranteed. So, uh, you know, I, and I get that they're pushing for that. Um, my personal perspective on that is, and while it doesn't really change how any cap hit happens in every, any year, given year, if something drastic happen and i know this is i know this is an extreme example but if if lamar got fully guaranteed be it here or anywhere else and he had a joe theisman a um alex smith type injury uh, and could not really play any longer but i mean if you retire you give up the money but you don't have to retire um the affect a you know or using watson's money now the effect of what's you know 170 million left whatever it is on his deal on a team's cap would be catastrophic so and i'm not i'm not saying that 
players shouldn't have fully guaranteed contracts. Uh, but what I'm saying is under the present CBA, which goes through uh, 2029, I that had would have I and mean, you wouldn't be able to feel the team uh, even even of undrafted free agents I'm not sure you'd be able to feel the team. So if fully guaranteed of, of that size, it's one thing to say Kirk Cousins' his first deal was 90 million. I mean the cap was granted lower, but it, the percent you know it was a three year deal. You know it wasn't a five year deal or, or longer. Um, and he's gotten a couple extensions. So people talk about, oh, he's gotten fully guaranteed. Well, you're tacking a fully guaranteed year on. It's not, you know, at, at 35 million. It's, you know, you can deal with that under the cap. We're not talking about 100 million, 100 plus million that you now have to deal with under the cap. Um, in fact, the team would probably have to keep the player and keep, we're going to pay him, you know, keep him on your cap each year. And you basically got, he's on IR and you're paying, you know, his 50 million a year as opposed to taking all the dead money. But either way, it, it's catastrophic for your cap. So my opinion is, and again, I don't really have, I, you know, I'm not making an argument against fully guaranteed contracts that they can't happen. I just feel that under the way the present CBA deals with the cap, there has to be, if there's going to be fully guaranteed, there has to be a new wrinkle in the CBA to address that. You know, we talked, you know, this, the NBA had the Larry Bird exemption. And, and and I you know so if it is a it, maybe it's the Lamar Jackson exemption you know uh, that it, it's if if you give your quarterback and only quarterbacks only granted you know fully guaranteed there is a way out if you have that disaster scenario and again I mean obviously Theismann was in what the eighties you know and and Alex Smith we haven't had many of those we've seen Dak Prescott have a serious injury but come back. You know, so it, it is it is an unlikely scenario, but I can understand when you're talking about, you know, 200 plus million, you know, I can understand teams being like, well, oh, you know, I, if we have a disaster scenario, I mean, we can't operate in a way, you know, or we're going to have to carry this player who can't play for us anymore for the next four years at, you know, 50 plus million on the cap and, you know. Oh, then we can't really. Then we can't sign another quarter. We can't get a real, uh, you know, a, a, another veteran quarterback at that number. We've got to, you know, it just it's, it would just be a mess. Okay, to use an example, then it, it, let's say that Lamar was to accept the Ravens' most recent offer, which is obviously not one hundred percent guaranteed, and we don't know exactly what the terms of the deal are or, or is, but the. Let's assume that it's a five-year, $250 million deal, and $200 million of it is guaranteed, just to keep things around. Thank you. Contrast that <laughs> Contrast that deal, the $250 million five-year deal with $200 million guaranteed, to the fully guaranteed $250 million deal, if that catastrophic injury happens, let's say, in year three. Yeah, well, I mean, the longer you get into the deal, the you know, the safer it is, I guess, because you've already paid out, a, you know, a good portion of that money. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're looking at, at 50 million more in, in money that, ha you know, because fully guaranteed means you get hurt, you still get paid. Now, again, if the player retires, they don't get they don't get that money. But, you know part of the idea is fully guaranteed is I want all my money. I want it all. You know, I want all of that money. So, and if I got hurt playing for you, 
you know, and I, I mean, from the player's perspective, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that, that that's a greedy decision. I, you know, Hey, you know, um, I mean, you see it in other sports, um, your teams, you know, the, I mean, let's, you know, the Orioles carried Chris Davis way longer than they wanted to, but they were paying him one way or another. So they kept him around instead of eating it until I guess he finally retired in the last year or two. So he did give up money in that case, but the three years or whatever it was before that, you know, he was a drag on their payroll and uh, not that they spend a lot. That's another story, but anyway, we'll, <laughs> we'll leave that one aside. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, it's a big difference there. Now I would say, cause you, you mentioned the, you know, the offer of the Ravens um, alleged offer reported offer that the Ravens made back in September. That was other than Deshaun Watson's 230 million. That was a absolutely top of the market offer. It topped again, other than Watson. So it was 50 million. So it was just under, um, uh, and of course, people—it's just round numbers. We don't know the exact numbers, but it was 250 million, which is 50 a year. Rogers is at 50.1, so it was a hundred. It was a, you know was a hundred thousand under, um, but it you know still top of the market, and that could have been rounded, you know, when because it was just a quick report. Obviously, the 133 million fully guaranteed was more than uh, anybody else but Watson, um, so that's not cheap. <laughs> You know, saying I don't want to fully guarantee a contract is not cheap. Um, and uh, when you're offering more fully guaranteed and L Lamar said to Diana Rossini, uh, you know, people are saying, well, maybe she lied. I don't know why she would lie, but whatever. Um, I had that argument with somebody on Twitter. I'm like, why? That's her report. She said she talked to him. Why would she lie? <laughs> you know, when he could easily say I never said that. Um, so he said it, it was the the guaranteed money which was injury guaranteed, basically. It was 180, uh, 170, 180, which was more than anybody else. So it, that's a fair deal. I mean, under the way contracts generally go, the next guy up gets a little more, the next guy up gets a little more, and so forth. Uh, you know, that was a that was a, a fair deal and not cheap. Um, but, you know, people get lost and it gets so, I don't know, people are so wrapped up in the fully guaranteed um, and obviously, you know, I mean, that is the, you know, that's seemingly the sticking point. So I guess that, you know, that's why, that's clearly why, but, um, and, you know, I think I've said this before, but I think teams and players probably get too stuck on it. If Lamar signs a five-year deal, he's going to be here for five years. So it is full. Isn't it really fully guaranteed? I've been saying that same thing. And that's, you know, I mean, I feel like if so, the so, going to, if he's going to play the way he he expects to play, the way he pretty much promises to play, then why are you even worried about it? You're going to get it anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I uh, the only thing I understand from the team's perspective is that that catastrophic injury that changes that. Um, but from the player's perspective, again, if if and, and there's yeah, I've said this before, there's there's ways to bridge that gap. Fully guarantee or uh, the Ravens' deal would probably be a guaranteed signing bonus. Uh, fully guaranteed um, base salaries for 23, 24, and 25, so the first three of the five years. And there'd be an, the way they do deals to, to lessen this year's cap number, there'd be an option bonus next year fully guaranteed. So that in and of itself is a lot of money. Um, and, you know, then over the, the last two years, 
there's way to make vesting options. There, that's going to be the last few years. The, the fourth year is definitely going to be injury guaranteed. So that's how you get from 133 to 170, 180. Um, and then to get to 250, that leaves just your fifth year that probably isn't guaranteed in any way under their offer. And this is just my speculation. But there's ways to vesting guarantees. And to be honest with you, if Lamar plays the way we all hope, by year four, that deal's probably getting ripped up. And there's going to be – he's going to play the first three years. And, well, granted, we've obviously – let you know, we come back to where we are now fully guaranteed. You know, but, you know, the, the, there's going to be a new deal in probably year four, which extends it another five years. If he's playing the way everybody expects, everybody wants, he wants, you know. So, I mean, you know, rarely does a top-of-the-market quarterback who plays well – now, obviously, we just saw Derek Carr. It didn't work out. But a top-of-the-market guy who plays really well usually plays out that deal. The Ravens are in a situation with Lamar right now where, you know, as I mentioned before, you've got the NFLPA really trying to enforce upon him to get the 100% guaranteed deal. seems like lines are drawn in the sand, and that's why it's been at this seemingly an 18-month impasse with this whole situation. But in that Damari Smith interview on the Pivot podcast, Brian, they talked about another situation where there was a, a year, a few years back, when there were five big-name cornerbacks hitting the market at the same time. And they tried to create solidarity amongst those five. And in Damari Smith's words, he said, you don't do a deal unless there's a two and a zero in front of the decimal point that spells guaranteed money. So they try to create the, they were trying to, you know, create the solidarity so they would all get the same thing. Well, one guy broke ranks and signed for something less. And then the whole thing caved in during this pocket. As he made it seem like he wanted to try to reestablish that idea, that concept with the quarterbacks. And as a result of all this going on and Lamar without representation, I just think it's going to drag on even longer to the point where the tag is going to come into play, whether that be exclusive or non-exclusive. Now, there was a time, Brian, where I thought that the non-exclusive would be the way to go because it would help set the tone of what the market was willing to pay Lamar. And if the Ravens wanted to match it, then they could. If they didn't, if they passed on it, they'd get two first-round draft picks. But the more I think about it, that's a weaker approach because they might engage – a team might engage Lamar – that might be picking in the 20s this year. And if they get better as a result of having Lamar, that pick is even weaker the following year. And then you're sit, sitting there with two picks in the 20s wondering, with this quote-unquote generational talent, did we get enough for him? So as a result of all of that, and I think the exclusive tag is the way to go. But you made an interesting point about that exclusive tag that I thought should be is worthy of discussion. And that is, you thought the Ravens would wait until the very last minute and that very last minute comes on March 7th to make that decision as to whether they were going to tag Lamar with exclusive or non-exclusive. Explain that a little bit more if you could. Yeah, so the exclusive tag is, and this is this is kind of weird, and I'm not sure why it's set up this way, but that's the way it is. So the exclusive tag is the average of the top five cap, basically cap numbers for the, uh, the, that, for the position. Um, as of five days before the draft, which is technically the end of the restricted free agent period. I don't know why they, they tied it to that, but so, but 
so that right now is, you know, Watson, um, Mahomes, Dak Prescott. Um, I'm trying to think of the other two. Tannehill is actually fifth. Um, and Josh Allen's fourth. So it's those five guys. And that's what averages out right now to that 45.28 or whatever it is. Um, but if any new contract comes along before then, and increases that number, obviously it increases, uh, or if a quarterback restructures, which is going to happen, then that number could decrease. But the, the key is, and I'm not, again, I'm not sure the logic of this, but is is what it is. Any restructure that occurs before you apply the tag affects that number. Any restructure that occurs after you apply the tag does not so right now, the Ravens are really hoping that Dak, the three, the three that are the, the, the big three are Mahomes, Dak Prescott and um, and Deshaun Watson. I think two of the three are, are over 50 million or right around it. Um, so the Ravens want at least one of those guys and ideally all three. Um, now, in Tannehill's an interesting one. I mean, he's fifth. He could get cut or, you know, which which would take care of that. Uh, although the next guy, I don't remember who's six, but it's it's really close to to uh, to Tannehill's number. So it wouldn't really affect things by much. But by waiting, well, by waiting, to, it does two things. Uh, it it um, it gives you more time because sometimes once the tag is applied, it, it, it seems to stifle <laughs> um, negotiations for for whatever reason now that. Maybe because agents move on to other things, and obviously agent isn't the, the issue here. Um, so they're going to wait till the 7th, hoping one of those big-ticket guys restructures, which will drop that $45.28 um, million uh, tag down you know, some. And, hey, at that point, every little bit helps. I mean, okay, so Watson is almost $55 million in cap number. Mahomes is 49 Dak Prescott's 49 Josh Allen's 40 and that Tannehill's about 37. So, and then Cousins is right below that. But so there's not much difference there. Um, so that's that's why they're going to wait because that's why they'll wait till the last possible moment. You know, now the Browns, the Browns aren't going to help the Ravens out any. Um, so Deshaun Watson, the big, the, you know, the biggest one, is not going to change before the seventh. Uh, the Cowboys and, and Chiefs have some work to do with air caps. I don't know if they care enough to wait. You know, it's not. You know, we, we they, they, their offseason business is probably based on what they want to do and when they want to do it. Um, but, of course, there's still that window from the 7th till the uh, 15th, that basically week window before the new league year starts that teams can, you know, that they can they still got plenty of time to get things done. So there's not a lot of pressure on those teams to do it sooner. But ideally, it'd be nice for the Ravens perspective if, if one of those guys or, or more gets done before the before they put the tag on. Right, you mentioned waiting uh, for the, the March seventh date, and given the competitive nature of the league, do you think that, like the Cowboys with Dak Prescott and Mah uh, the Chiefs with Mahomes, and who was the third one you said? The top uh, Sean Watt. The Sean Watt. Okay, so they're not going to do it. But let's say that yeah. Dak Prescott was on record saying he's willing to renegotiate or, re, uh, you know, basically restructure his deal to help the Cowboys out. 
And part of it was the, an emotional aspect because he had a poor performance in the playoff game. But that said, do you think that teams could wait out past March 7th in order to do the restructures just so that teams like the Ravens who are thinking about tagging their quarterbacks would have to do it at the higher price given the competitive spirit of the league? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the Browns for sure are will wait. Like I said, the other teams – I don't, I mean, the Chiefs maybe because they're in the AFC. I don't think the Cowboys care. I mean, Jerry Jones is Jerry Jones. I mean, he's obviously a competitive guy, but I don't think he, he's more worried about getting his house in order. And he's not really worried about how it affects the Ravens uh, because we're not in any way, and we don't play them this year either. So we're not in any way direct competitors per se. Um, I, I could see that I, I definitely think the Browns will wait. Because um, they're, I mean, at, at 55 million, they're definitely redoing that one. Um, you know, the Chiefs, maybe, maybe not. I mean, again, it's a little further away, um, you know, as far as rivalry, quote unquote, uh, as far, you know, I mean, obviously we hope to see them in the AFC championship game or something like that. Um, I, we don't play them this year either. Um, you know, Josh Allen, same thing. I mean, maybe, maybe not, but um, I think the Cowboys, if, if one, if any one of them will happen before that date, I would think it'd be Dak Prescott um, because I, again, NFC, you know, and we're, we're not on the radar as much as the others. All right. Let's talk about the Ravens current cap situation and, and where they are relative to the cap. And, and then I want to blend in the cost of the exclusive tag for Lamar Jackson. Cause uh, would you agree that that's kind of way this is headed? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't see how um, you know how we how it's going any other way for sure. Right. So, so where are the Ravens currently? The Ravens are about twenty six million under. Um, obviously, they haven't really made any any moves. They haven't restructured anybody. They haven't cut anybody. And obviously, um, I think uh, trades. Um, you know, uh, some guys like Chuck Clark could be traded, uh, maybe Gus Edwards. Uh, obviously, these are guys, you know, with with a uh, you know flush cap, they'd be they'd keep around. They're not neither of them are terribly expensive. Uh, Devin Duvernay is another one, um, you know, that um, they're not terribly expensive. But for what the Ravens may need to do, they you know, if they have to use the exclusive tag at forty five point two eight or again whatever, it's it's a little over forty five. You know, um, they may have to, you know, jettison guys and re again, restructure guys that they'd rather not. But, you know, they're right there. They just got to create, you know, almost 20 million just to uh, accommodate the tag. Um, and then obviously they're going to need another 20 million or so, you know, for expenses and then to, you know, do other things they would like to do, uh, you know, ideally bring in a veteran receiver and things. So, I mean, they're going to, you know, they all people talk about all in and I know it's, this is a different kind of all in, but they may have to go all in, so to speak, on that with the cap restructure instead of five guys like they have in the past. They might restructure a couple guys that only creates, you know, a million in cap space. You generally aren't restructuring a guy just to create just a million. Um, you're trying to restructure guys to create six or seven like they can with, you know, with a guy like Stanley. Um, but they may have to cut it down to the bone. Um, to with a lot of guys and you know and that's unfortunately that's eating I don't know that they'll use void years maybe they would this time 
but that's going to, you know, that's just, that's eating away at your 2024 cap space, your 2025 cap space. Uh, those kind of maneuvers are, um, you know, are definitely um, kicking the can down the road. And, you know, it, it's definitely cyclical. It just puts you in a cycle of it's hard to get out of. Um, the Saints, again, the, the, the Packers, uh, you know, are classic examples of that, of trying to extend their windows. This isn't, I mean, this, I guess you call this trying to extend the, the Lamar window per se, at least, you know, based on the present circumstances. But yeah, I mean, that's, it, I, that's not an ideal scenario for by any shot. I wanted to talk about some of the restructure slash extension candidates in a second. But before I, I get there, there was, you mentioned Clark, Edwards and Duvernay. A couple other names that seem to pop out on on that list of players, Brian, is uh, one of which is Michael Pierce. You know, he didn't – he played decently, I thought. What did he play, three games in 2022? And he played decently. Then they lost him for a year with, I believe, a a biceps injury. But the – so I I think he's vulnerable because they they proved that they could play without him. So you have to at least consider him a potential cap casualty cut. And the other guy that, you know, they made the announcement right around the Super Bowl that Calais Campbell was coming back for another year. The assumption was that that comeback year would be with the Ravens, but nothing's been done, Brian. So any idea what might be happening there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could, I guess you could look, I, you know, usually things don't happen yet. Um certainly I think a lot of this, I mean, and, you know, there was some complaints a couple of years ago about why before, right before they traded Orlando Brown, why haven't they tried to make, you know, moves to resign him? And, and well, I mean, obviously that wasn't in the cards because at that time we didn't know uh, one, what, you know, that he wanted to play left tackle exclusively. And that, that report came out later, but you're not, re, you're generally not re-signing big ticket items in February. Um, because, and it's just, it's just part of the way all teams do it, but everything and should start this coming week, really, um, once the, the combine starts, because all the general managers are there, all the coaches are there, all the agents are there. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's almost like a league meeting kind of thing where everybody's there and that's when your trade talks start. Um, and that's where, you know, okay. Uh, you know, DaCosta is going to pull, you know, um, Calais's uh, agent aside and say, "Hey, look, we want we want Calais here, but we need to reduce that cap number. So, uh, as I call it, let's do the Marshall Yonda treatment, and let's he's in the last year of his deal. Let's add an extra year to that deal, and we'll spread this money out a little bit. We'll, he'll get he'll get a nice signing bonus, and that way we can keep him. If that's what they want to do, that's probably when those conversations really start. Now, if they've decided we can't we can't do this." Or that's when they maybe go to Michael Pierce's agent and say, you know, we're bringing Calais back. Um, we'd like to have both of you back, but we need a pay cut. You know, Pierce hasn't really played in three years now. Um, the money we offered him last year was, you know, for for you know for 2023, the number that 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 salary was based on him playing a full year last year. He didn't, and you know, so and you know, we're thinking about cutting him, and I'm not sure he's getting. You know, I mean, this is the way negotiations go. If you think you can get more, this is what we're offering. If you think you get more on the market, you know, then we'll cut him. Um, or, but, you know, we'd like to keep him, but here's the number. 
Same thing with Duvernay. You know, Duvernay got this um, uh, got this perf- uh, proven performance escalator that might, unfortunately, push him out of town. Uh, you know, it's happened with other players before too. Um, you know, he he got that escalator because he made the Pro Bowl, but he made the Pro Bowl as a kicker, not as a wide or kick returner, not as a wide receiver. So, in special teams guys, you know, a long snapper in theory could earn the proven performance escalator if he gets the Pro Bowl. We should all be happy that Nick Moore hasn't made a Pro Bowl yet. You know, so those kind of things can happen, um, and that can price the guy out of town. So they, you know, they could go to Duvernay and say, "Look, we like we like you. We want to keep you here. We got a new offensive coordinator. You should be excited about it. You know, he's got great plans for you, but that number's too high. But we can extend you." pay you well, and we can reduce that number. So I think those kind of conversations start this coming week. Um, and, you know, they're going, there's going to be a lot of those. And there's going to, again, there's going to be a lot of tough decisions. I, I'm sure they'd rather keep Pierce and Calais Campbell. I mean, we only saw them together for a couple games. I'm sure they'd love to have those two guys here. Um, Pierce was one of the few guys that's actually signed beyond this year, because at this point, um, you know, Matabike is a free agent next year. Washington's a free agent next year. And Calais is a free agent next year. Um, so, you know, they, there's a lot. That's that's one of those places they need to get some some younger talent. And they got five draft picks, granted. Um, so, you know, those, I just think all that kind of stuff starts now. February is kind of a dead zone. Uh, all the thing you see in February is what we're already seeing, like with Tennessee, is teams just cutting guys um to you know to, to to get their cap in shape to start getting their cap in shape but the re-signings generally the closer you get deadline it's a deadline you know the deadline is, is the 15th of march and as we get closer to it that's when more and more deals will happen a couple more questions brian because we only have a few more minutes the the guys that are still candidates for restructures extensions typically are the guys that are the highest paid guys and guys that you think will have some longevity to their careers where they'll be able to at least play to the level of the extension. So the guys that I think that come to mind are, are, can they do Stanley again? Humphrey they've done before. Mark Andrews is there. And and a guy we haven't talked about, which I'd be interested in your opinion, whether he's a candidate for an extension would be Marcus Williams. Yeah. So um, yeah. So yeah. Um, again, Stanley gets a little dangerous because of where his cap numbers are already. Humphrey is a good candidate because he's still signed through 2026. Uh, 20, his cap numbers right now for 24, 25, and 26 are 21, 23, and 21. So you can, you know, you can feel adding a couple million for through a restructure on him isn't going to, you know, I mean, that, that those numbers aren't terrible. Uh, Williams, no. I mean, Williams is because of the way they structured his deal. I mean, he's in his second year, but they did this for a reason. And his he's he's got a minimum base salary, so he's he's not um, he's not restructurable per se. Uh, and I don't think they would extend him yet because uh, he's still got this year and three more years. Um, so I, I and there's again, there's no real cap savings there because his base salary is so low. Um, you'd actually be adding money to the cap by extending it because you're giving them a signing bonus. The idea is generally you, you replace base salary with a signing bonus and then the signing bonus gets prorated and that's how it reduces things, but you can't reduce him. Um, you know, Zeitler is uh, Kevin Zeitler. Uh, you know, he, I, I don't think this would happen, but there's six and a half million in savings. If he's no longer here, Calais is seven. I mean, those are two, those are two of the biggest 
uh, those are the biggest, I should say, uh, cap savings by cutting guys. Then you have Pierce and Duvernay in the 4.3 range. I'm sorry, um, uh, Edwards and Duvernay in the 4.3. Uh, Clark's about 3.5. So those are guys you could cut, uh, per se, uh, and, you know, and create some cap space. Um, Pierce is Pierce is only a little over $2 million, so it's not a huge savings there. Um, but Zeitler would be another guy. He's in the last year of his deal. Uh, and he, of course, he's, he's you know, he's marching on this replacement. And he seems like another guy, you know, attacking a year or two on to his deal. Um, you know, guards, he, I guess Zeitler's like 33, I think, or maybe 34. But guards can play well into their, you know, uh, into their mid-30s and not, you know, not lose a whole lot. So he would be a nice extension candidate as well. What about Andrews? Andrews would I absolutely be an extension candidate. Um, his his cap number is over thirteen million, but the, you know, again, with the cap going up, you got to factor in the cap going up, and you're going to have, you know, obviously, even with a Lamar extension. <laughs> so if they extend him, if they get a deal done, let's say then his cap number is in that you know twenty five to thirty million range, maybe twenty to thirty, maybe down that that example I gave earlier was was 22 um they're still going to need to create space you know i mean because at 26 they still need that gives them the opportunity that the space though they can create then they can bring players in and that all and of course they got to create space for the draft picks and and a practice squad and injury replacements down the road but you know even with lamar extension you know getting that number down you're they're still going to need to make moves to create cap, cap space to do other things. Two more questions. If if you were Eric DaCosta and Steve Bashotti comes to you and says, I want you to create space to get Lamar that, that free agent receiver or the tr- to trade for one to accommodate for that, that player's salary, and you do all these other things to create space for Lamar for the, the, uh, for the uh, exclusive tag, you go in – and you create the the rainy day fund in case of in-season injuries. You take care of the practice squad. You got your rookie slush fund aside. If if he were to come and say, make sure you get that receiver, and on top of all that, let's create even more space by guaranteeing Lamar. Because I think you said that the cap hit is no different if it's guaranteed or not. No, yeah, I mean the the, the contract the danger of, of whatever you want. The danger of a catastrophic injury is where it comes into play. Yes. Okay. So if he came to you and said, "You're Eric Costa, go get this done," with the I don't care if it's guaranteed anymore. Just go ahead and do it. Create that space. Talk about the plus and negative of that. Yeah, I mean, if I mean that's leaving aside the fully guaranteed or not, you know, whether that ultimately matters or not. I mean, that's the best scenario because then you don't have to restructure down to the bone, so to speak, like I mentioned earlier, because you're, you're not needing to create. And like I said, if you get him at a $25 million cap extended extension, new deal, five years, first year cap numbers, 25 million, that is, that's that, 20 million that you're you need to create to, to accommodate the 45 in theory you could still do that but that gives you that 20 million extra in space that you know covers 
acquisitions, you know, uh, bringing that, you know, that wide receiver in, you know, and, you know, again, first year, you know, if they trade it, for instance, if they trade it for, you know, Hopkins, that's obviously the name, you know, everybody thinks about, you know, they're going, he's got two years left. They're going to extend that deal. And again, and first year of, of a long-term deal is always the cheapest. So maybe they get, you know, they sign Hopkins for four years, 80 million. I'm just using numbers. That That's probably, I mean, he's older, so I'm not sure where exactly to put him, um, but just using that as nice round numbers. So even if they did that, the cap number on that first year is probably 10 to 12, even though the average is over four years is 20. Um, because the back end of that deal, if, if probably isn't going to see anyway, because he's 31 or something already, and you're not going to be paying him 25 million in, in cash in year four. But so, you know, so that's the way you, you can do that. And then, so, okay, so that cap number is 12 and you create a 20 and, you know, you might need to create a little more, but it's certainly doable. Um, and again, the long-term deal is obviously the best outcome here in, in all sorts of ways. Um, and clearly they believe in Lamar. So I know that's not a question um, uh, unless they're just saying that out loud because they want to raise his trade value. But I'll take him at face value that that they, uh, you know, that despite some of the things that seemingly happened towards the end of the year and, you know, that could have just been Harbaugh's, <laughs> you know, on and off moodiness too, but um, or just being tired of being asked questions about Lamar because he does seem to, get tired of the same question over and over again. Um, you know, so I, I think I, I take them at their face value. They want Lamar back. And if that's the case, then obviously a long-term deal uh, for their caps for sure is, is the, you know, the best outcome. So let's say they do all these contract extensions, restructures, they get Lamar done long-term. They create enough space to get that, DeAndre Hopkins, maybe even get a, you know, a second tier corner to fill in for Marcus Peters. That's a veteran. And and they do all these things. And the only way Lamar and Lamar is the linchpin here. And he's the only way he says yes to it is with a fully guaranteed deal. Do you do it? Um, Clearly they aren't willing to do that or they already wouldn't. Now, whether, you know, somebody's got to blink here. If there's going to be a deal, somebody's got to blink. Um, I don't think the Ravens are going to blink. Now, could they, again, I think they can structure it such that it's basically fully guaranteed. Um, and I don't, you know, we don't know that, you know, there's that gap between that 130. We have that, we know that 133 reported, the 170, 180 in, fully guaranteed. 170, 180 guaranteed, um, which is generally injury guaranteed. And then you're talking 250. So, you know, how you bridge that gap, well, again, vesting guarantees. Third year, he's on the roster third year, which is going to be. Then the fourth year becomes goes from injury guaranteed to fully guaranteed. You could do the same thing in the fourth year. If he's on the roster first day of the fourth year, which is a time he could be cut. You know, based on the numbers, that's a time that it would still hurt a lot. But if you needed to get rid of him, you could cut him at the beginning of year four, probably. And, you know, and that way year five doesn't vest or something like that. So, I mean, there's there's ways of bridging that gap and essentially making it fully guaranteed. I don't know. You know, I don't know those details. None of us know those details of whether 
whether that's been offered, whether that's been off or not, or whether it's been offered and rejected. And it's just, I want fully guaranteed period. And, you know, so, but there are definitely ways to, to bridge that gap, much less that if we get to year four and he's playing well, of course, year, year five being guaranteed, who cares? You know, if, 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 if they have that vesting guarantee, cause he's going to be there anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I wish I could say, obviously, we don't know all the details. In a way, sometimes a lot of this seems trivial on both sides. I'm not taking, you know, I'm not saying, you know, Lamar should give up, give up the fully guaranteed because it's going to be full, basically fully guaranteed anyway. Or I'm not saying the Raven, you, know, you could, so that's it. You, that's the Ravens argument. It, it's going to be fully guaranteed anyway. So take our offer and because it's basically going to end up being fully guaranteed anyway. That, you know, that's the Ravens' argument to Lamar. Lamar's argument back is, well, if it's going to be fully guaranteed anyway, just fully guarantee it. So, I mean, you're unfortunately, you're between these two, um, I don't say polarized positions maybe, but you've got Lamar pushing, the NFLPA pushing, fully guaranteed, because it means something. Even though it doesn't really mean something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you've got the Ravens saying, oh, we can't fully guarantee. And, I, and again, I understand the that catastrophic injury scenario, but is that that, or, or just a terrible downturn in, in, you know, play, but I don't think that's, that's as much of a concern. I mean, it's always in the back of your brain, but you just have these two set in stone positions. Now I will say, cause we didn't touch on this and we got it. We do have to finish up here, but obviously, and you talked about Smith and wanting fully guaranteed and how the cornerback market, well, You've got that right now. You've got that same scenario with quarterbacks. You've got Burrow. You've got Herbert. You've got Hertz. And now you've got and you've got Lamar. You've got these four huge deals coming up. I would be shocked if any of the other three get fully guaranteed. The Ravens might be willing to wait that out. Lamar might want to wait that out, too, because if somebody does get fully guaranteed, then he is, too. Um, but also those three are we want to wait Lamar out. Because if Lamar gets fully guaranteed, then they do too. But I, I don't see the way ba the Bengals don't give any guarantees beyond the first year. Your signing bonus, and I mean, this is their history, the signing bonus and your first year salary. They've never given anything out beyond that. Steelers used to be like that. They did with Ross Roethlisberger, and, but he was an exception. And they did do it recently with uh, with Watts. So some teams are coming off of that, but they're still that's still not fully guaranteed either. So it's it, it's it's the Ravens are really stuck in this. And I'm not saying some of this isn't their fault as well. I'm not absolving them, but you've really got this. It's a tough, you know, this every L three, all four quarterbacks are potentially stuck in this. I think Hertz gets done first and it's not going to be fully guaranteed whether Burrow and, and, uh, and um, Herbert Herbert. I always, I always forget Herbert, the name I never always doesn't know my brain, whether those guys get them done. But if those guys, all three of those guys get done this off season, let's say the Ravens use the exclusive tag and kick the can till next year. If those three guys, if those three guys don't get fully guaranteed, then I don't know how Lamar, unless he comes out next year and wins the Super Bowl and, and, you know, is MVP. Um, I don't see how Lamar then I, I, any, any basis for arguing, fully guaranteed, I think is gone. Okay, one more quick question. And this is a spitballing idea, Brian. You mentioned, let, let's say that the Ravens are willing to give $180 million in guarantees and Lamar wants that 250 To bridge that $70 million in gap, 
or seventy million in shortfall and guaranteed money. What if they took out an insurance policy that covered that in the event of injury and made the whole thing fully guaranteed? Would that insurance policy cost be added to the cap? No, and 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 there are insurance policies, and there will be insurance policies. There's no doubt about that. But it it doesn't. I don't think the insurance policy um, fixes your cap. It fixes your cash, um, which uh, obviously a big bottom line for a team. But it, yeah, so um, yes, most teams on big deals take out insurance policies for injury. Um, but again, you don't get a cap break for that because you you have paid that money to the player. Just because you get reimbursed through the insurance does not does not give you an offset on the cap. But yes, it most certainly uh, affects the team's bottom line. Um, so and that gives you more cash to do your other things, stadium improvements. Um, you know, as we we said earlier, I mean, Bashadi's wealth. He his you know Bishotti's, um interest in this team his wealth so to speak in this team is what he bought it for versus what it's worth now he's he's not a guy who's taking money out of the team um like mike brown is um which affects herbert's and like the um affects um uh, burrow or like the spanos is because that affects that affects their dealings with herbert because that affects their bottom line because that those teams are their wealth Bishotti's wealth is outside of the Ravens. I mean, obviously it's part of his wealth, but he's he's not he's not dependent on money coming out of the team into his pocket where guys like Mike Brown. And that's why in the Spano says that's why I don't think you're going to see a fully guaranteed contract from either of those, um, because, you know, that that affects their bottom line. Uh, Bashad, all the money that's coming for players. Is is not necessarily it's not coming out of Bashadi's pocket because it's not reducing anything he's getting. You've been listening to the front office. I'm Tony Lombardi with Russell Street Report, and I've been joined by our copologist Brian McFarlane. Brian, the next time we get together, and I hope it's next week, I want to take the approach what I'll call instead of all in, all out, meaning that if the Ravens do in fact trade Lamar Jackson for picks, what might the Ravens cap picture look like then? And what would they be able to do going forward into 2024 if they were to drop back and punt in 2023? So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll check, out, check you out next time.